This is episode 81 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Welcome to episode 81 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today, I have Lynn LeBeau on the show, and Lynn is a real estate investor who's primarily investing in Timmins, Ontario, which for those of you who are not familiar, that's northern Ontario, about three hours straight north of Sudbury. So uh, much colder climate than down here in southern Ontario, Burlington, where I live. However, it's a fantastic investing opportunity as Lynn shares on this episode, and she even gave an example of how she turned one of her projects into a 9% rule. Yes, 9%. So you've heard me talk about the 1% rule. A lot of investors strive to get 1% of their purchase price as their monthly gross rent. So if they buy for 400,000, they wanna get $4,000 in monthly rent. I know that probably sounds slightly unreasonable to you because it's very rare to find in Southern Ontario. However, what we are seeing, and I've seen from the last couple of guests that I've had from Northern Ontario is that it is possible out there. It's possible in Eastern Ontario. And heck, it is even possible down here in Southern Ontario. You just got to work a lot harder for it. So depending on the market you pick, you can get a lot bigger rent numbers. And Lynn shared some of those numbers today, how she was able to completely replace her employment income. She's a chartered accountant by trade. She completely replaced her employment income. She owns 22 properties, 68 doors in Timmins, Ontario. And she shares that story. She shares how she self-manages and makes her entire operation work. And uh, she's got a great attitude. She's a good storyteller. And I'm confident you're going to enjoy this episode. Quick reminder for those of you who are new to the podcast, please make sure that you head back to the early episodes. Go right through 1 to 20. Um, Those are very, very informative episodes where I break down numbers very specifically. Um, I I assure you that the concepts we've covered on this show evolve over time. And if you want to have a complete understanding, it's highly advantageous to go through all the episodes and of course hear from all the wonderful guests that have been on this show there's so much knowledge that they've delivered further to that you can download the cash flow sheet that i use to analyze deals at andrew-hines.com forward slash cash flow and as always, I would greatly appreciate it if you want to let me know that I'm doing a good job by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It'd be greatly appreciated for those of you watching on YouTube or any other platform. Please make sure that you've hit that subscribe button and uh, give it a like if you can. Leave a comment if you can. I really do appreciate it. It helps more people to receive this podcast and it helps it to grow. So thanks so much for that. Without further ado, here is episode 81 with Lynn LeBeau. Hello and welcome to the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. I have Lynn LeBeau. I'm hoping I'm saying that right on the podcast. Lynn, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Lynn, I know that you had reached out to me and I had a long overdue email response, which I finally got to. Um, So I'm not familiar with your story. Um, would you mind just telling me and our, our audience a little bit about yourself and, and what you're doing in real estate? Absolutely. Uh, okay. So um, I started investing in real estate in 2008, uh, where I purchased my first property. It was really about helping out an old friend. Um, and he, we, we were bad kids through high school. And anyway, so I left the area where I grew up and kind of cleaned up my own act. <laughs> and so, But he kind of went down that other road where he went, got into some pretty, you know, pretty heavy stuff anyways. Um, and so, uh, so I, the deal was it, I would invest in this property. He would maintain it and, uh, do all the maintenance, do all the work on it. Uh, you know, the, the whole property management and stuff. And I would give him 50% of my after-tax dollars in order to do that. 
so that was my initial intent. So I really had no idea that I was going to be getting into real estate, you know, to the extent that I've been now. Um, and so I bought the first property and the deal was that he had to keep his act clean, any illegal activities and the deal was over and, you know, he wouldn't get 50% of, uh, you know, my after tax dollars. So, so that's okay. kind of started. I bought my first building. Then I bought the second one in 2009. Um, and then from there, uh, he ended up, some for some peddly little stuff that he ended up doing illegally um he ended up losing his half of the deal so um anyway so that's kind of where i started and then um in 2012 13 is where i decided to go all in um i was working for a company that was on the verge of bankruptcy and i was trying to figure out how i was going to replace my six-figure income without moving from where i live and uh anyways i was driving to uh timmins where i invest um, so it's a small town up north and, um, I was going to check on the two properties that I had. And this is when I flew it in. I thought, okay, what am I thinking? Just do more of this, right? So just invest more. And so the, the properties that we were purchasing, um, the first one that I purchased, I got, um, it had, uh, one, two, three, four, four apartments and a rooming house with four doors and we purchased that one for forty nine thousand dollars and uh yeah so and you know it brought wow. in forty five dollars in revenue right so <laughs> it, it brought in forty nine hundred a month it was bringing in forty five hundred dollars a month yes in revenue at the time it's even more now but yeah at the time that's what it was bringing in okay so so we talk about like the one percent rule you're getting like nine percent that that <laughs> yeah. happened yep it did and so the second one that he found um that one this was, is your, your your original partner that the original so he, partner so he found some deals for you okay yeah yeah exactly okay. he was finding these deals so um so yeah the first one he actually he had called me he was trying to figure out if he should it, um, if you should invest with this other partner and I asked him what he knew about the partner and he says, well, he's pretty sketchy, but I'm thinking, yeah, well, these are the kind of people you hang with. So what do you expect? Right. Mm. <laughs> oh, anyways. Yeah. And that's when I asked him, I said, well, why aren't you asking me about, you know, for the money? And he says, really, you would do that? And I'm like, maybe, you know, <laughs> you never know. So anyways, when I went to check it out and I thought, you know, if, if it'll keep him clean, then yeah, let's just do it. Right. So okay. anyways, yeah, so the second deal that we that he found about a year later was a sixplex, and that one there we got it for forty thousand dollars. And uh, yeah, yeah, they're, they're insane numbers for sure. Um, we, I, you know, so we fixed it up. He knew how to handle the people. That one was a you know it was a crack house at the time, um, but he knew how to handle these people. So he got them all out, you know, and we got some decent people in there. We fixed up the places and it appraised actually, it appraised at 235. So how did you end up uh, investing in Timmins? Like why Timmins? Is that where you grew up or? Yes, that's where I grew up. So this is where he was still living. Okay. And yeah, so in 2012 though, when I decided when I was driving up and then I figured out, okay, well, if I could just do more of this, this was pretty easy. So if I can do more of this, then I could replace my six figure mm -hmm. pretty quickly. But the issue was I didn't have a whole lot of money available to me. So I had, I went, I went and got a couple of credit lines and, um, and that's how I got started. So really what I did is I took a hundred thousand dollars of the bank's money and turned it into a few million dollars in property. And so, and replaced my six figure income. So yeah, so it worked out well. 
Okay. So, so 2012, you went at it full, full time. Um, how long did it take you to get to a point where you were ready to quit or did you quit in 2012? That's when you, yeah, you quit. yeah. no, I, I kept working. Um, yeah. and so in 2012, 13, I, I did 18 deals in 12 months. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so this is where I was doing deal, you know, deal after deal after deal. And but while I was still working, basically I was working, uh, for the most part, 82, about a hundred hours per week, because they ended up putting me in charge of the turnaround of the organization that I was working for. And so I was putting in all these crazy hours, not knowing for sure that we were going to be able to turn it around. And finally we did it, it you know, the, the company is still alive and well today, which is great. Um, but I got to, uh, I got to leave my six figure job to be able to do real estate. Basically I shouldn't say real estate on a full-time basis because I do still do, um, I, I do coaching and, um, and I also do business coaching, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I do coaching on the real estate side and I do the business coaching. So, so I don't necessarily do real estate full-time. Okay. What's, uh, where do you live now? I live in Sudbury. Okay. You're in Sudbury, which is also a good market for investing right now. You're not interested in investing there? You know what? When, when I decided, when I did decide to do this, like to go full in, um, I had to make a decision as to where I would invest. And I started looking in Sudbury and quickly realized that, um, you know, the, the cap rates in Sudbury were totally, were so much lower than the cap rates in Timmins. And so the Timmins market just made sense. So it's the same house that I can buy in Timmins, say buy a triplex in Timmins for at the time, $120,000. Well, the, the same type of property in Sudbury would be like in the worst area of Sudbury would be $220,000. So, and you, you're getting basically the same rents. Mm-hmm. Just made sense to invest in Timmins versus investing in Sudbury. What's, uh, What's the economic driver in Timmins? Why do people go there? Um, so, you know, the, the mines are there. So there's, you know, the gold mines. So that's big. They have gold um, mines there? Interesting. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, they call it the city with the heart of gold. <laughs> so it's, uh, yeah, so basically, you know, if the market shifts a lot in Timmins, and the reason is, and I say this a lot, like it could go down 8% when the price of gold goes down because they don't have all the contractors coming in. Um, so the mines employ their own people, but then when the price of gold goes up and they want to, you know, they, they, they want to get more production, then they bring in all these contractors. And so this is where, um, you know, you're able to rent out your, you know, a, a two bedroom for like $1,200. And, uh, and then you've got, but then when it goes down, then you're, you know, you're probably renting your two bedrooms out for like 900 to a thousand dollars. Right. So. Yeah. It must be surging right now. Gold's at all, all time high pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The other, the other thing is that there's a lot of students coming in for like for college and stuff. Um, a lot of students coming in from India. And so um, that was driving up the, uh, the price as well. For, what, you know, what, for what college is in Timmins? Timmins. Um, there's Northern College in Timmins and there's uh, Collège Boreal, which is a French one. And okay. yeah, so mainly, you know, for Northern College, the, uh, the students are coming in from India. Interesting. You just would never have thought that Indian students are coming in to Timmins, Ontario to go to school. Um, yeah, I know. <laughs> a little it's, crazy. It's, yeah, it's way up there. I mean, I guess in the grand scheme of things, though, I kind of consider uh, Winnipeg to be way up there um which you're almost actually as high up as winnipeg 
uh, in terms of uh, latitude. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so it probably gets uh, uh, a little cold out there. Yeah, for sure. The um, I, I did work with the college um, for about a year, I guess, um, as a consultant. And so they, they, one of the big things they were working on was trying to, because the population of Timmins, you know, there's, there's not a lot of the residential students that are going to the colleges. And so they were trying to figure out how to increase the, um, you know, the, uh, increase the number of students that they had. And so they came up with a plan. So they've been going out and doing a lot of recruitment out in these different places. So it, okay. They targeted India as one of the main ones. So um, that's, you know, one of the main reasons why they're getting so many. Interesting. Yeah, I know they were doing that at uh, Western back when I went there. They were doing a lot of heavy recruiting from China. Uh, And I'm not sure if that's all going to change now, if if we're still going to have Chinese students uh, coming in a large quantity or if that's going to majorly change with with the whole international policy towards China. Although Trudeau seems very uh, side tangent. He still seems cool with them. Trump, not so much. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. And yeah. Uh, this whole COVID thing, though, I'm not sure that we're going to be getting a whole lot of students coming in. Yeah. Yeah, so Anyone who knows for guess. this year. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, we'll ride the wave and then figure it out. Yeah, I was saying it could, it could end up being a good thing. Um, but, like, so normally my students come in when they're entering their second year. That's where they start in, in, uh, in my student rentals. Whereas what we might see then, so I still have leases signed up for this year, but for next year, there, there might be significantly less second years coming in. But if there's a lot more first years, because if I was going in the first year, I would be deferring. I would not go in to do first year online. I would say, no, I'll skip the year and I'll, I'll just start next year. So if that happens, then there actually could be too many students that want residence. They can't even get into residence. So they might just end up renting a house, which would still help me. So I've got a, I've got some saving grace, hopefully we'll see, we'll see how it, how it all plays out. But yeah, the, the name of the game is being able to pivot, right. Being able to repurpose and, and still find a way to cash flow. Totally. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. What's your background? Uh, you mentioned you do business coaching. Did you uh, study business in school? I did. Yes. Um, so I'm a CPA, CA. Okay. So, yeah, so I did study that in school. I, I didn't practice. I only practiced for four years. Basically, you had to practice for so long to be able to get your um, the CA designation at the time. And so that, that was my main thing. I just figured I, I just basically my decision to become a chartered accountant really had to do with um, nothing to do with the numbers. But who are the leaders out there, of the, you know, the larger organizations and back in the day? when I was looking at that. So I went back as a mature student. Um, so back in the day when I was looking at that, 80% of the leaders were either chartered accountants or engineers. So it was like, oh, okay, yeah. I'm with numbers. So <laughs> let's just do that. Right. That's true. A lot of executives were, are, were, and probably still are CAs. That's, that's fairly common, which I mean, I guess like it makes sense because you need to know your numbers. <laughs> you yeah, do. For sure. You do. Um, I didn't uh, like. I I just went to business school. I didn't. Uh, I didn't uh, do a specialization in accounting or anything like that. Um, but uh, I I actually used to tutor um, financial accounting just because that was part of the the business curriculum. So I kind of learned that. And it's good to know your numbers. That's so I'm a bit of a numbers person as well. Um, yeah, for sure. <laughs> mixed with mixed with other things too. Um, okay, do you mind telling me about? Well, first off, um, give me an idea of your portfolio. What's uh, the thousand foot view of your portfolio right now? 
Okay, so I have, not including my personal residence, I've got 22 properties. They, mm -hmm. um, so they go from, uh, I've got two single families and I've got duplexes, triplexes, fourplexes, okay. and a, the sixplex is my largest at the moment. Um, I'm looking into getting into the bigger properties at this point, um, you know, the 20 units, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, but I'm just, I haven't done one of those purchases yet. Um, I ended up putting an offer on an 81 unit building at the one point and um, uh, didn't end up getting it, but it was pretty exciting for the number. If it would have worked out, it would have been a, uh, a couple of million dollars uh, in profit with like just from fixing it up and stuff mm -hmm. and uh, pulling out the cash. So um, yeah. And so that's what I have right now in my portfolio. I do have, um, I do a few, I've done a few flips, but for the most part I buy and hold. So um, I called it, uh, it's, everybody else is calling it now. The Burr strategy is really popular. So the, uh, that's basically what I've done. Um, I call it my two strategy combo. And I, I actually wrote a book on, um, on doing this kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, which ended up being a bestseller on Amazon. Um, just, uh, it went out, uh, I think it was on Amazon in February and right after like, you know, maybe a few weeks in it hit the bestseller. So that was pretty cool. Oh, congratulations. What's it called? Um, it's, so I've got it here. It's called no money, no problem. Make your first million dollars with real estate. The secrets to my millionaire method revealed. So, okay. Well, I guess uh, <laughs> you'll have to give us the summary then. What are, what are the, uh, what's the Coles notes um, of your, your strategy? Yeah. So that's why I call it the two strategy combo. And it was kind of funny because right after I had finished writing the book, because I was so consumed with, you know, writing it. And uh, so I didn't have time to read anything. And so the first book that I picked up after I was all done, I thought, okay, you know, check out with see what's out there right now. So I pick up this book and it's about the birth strategy. I start to laugh because I'm going, okay, my book's already at the editors. And so here I am. I wrote the book on the birth strategy, but you know, called it something different. So, yeah. um, so yeah, so basically, you know, it's, it's all about you, you find a place it, and oftentimes, um, oftentimes I'll, I'll buy the crack house, right? So if it's the only crack house on the street, I'll buy that crack house because the owner doesn't know what to do with it. Yes, right, they true. Tenants, and the you know they're over their heads, and so on, and um, so this is where you're able to get these property for these properties for cheap, right? These forty nine thousand dollar deals. I tell, I just told you about, you know, forty thousand, forty nine thousand. I have purchased some where I bought it where there were tenants in there, and we were planning on keeping the tenants in there. So I would have purchased those for more like one hundred twenty thousand dollars for a triplex. Um, and uh, so these I would get financed right off the get go. So you um, go with the bank right away. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If I wasn't planning on getting rid of the tenants, I would, uh, you know, and bringing up the value quickly, then I would right away go with that. And if it needed some improvements, I would go with the financing plus improvements um, if that was required for those where I wasn't kicking out any tenants. But the other ones, um, you know, for example, I, I bought a single family dwelling for um, $35,000 and put $8,000 into it, fixed it up. And, um, and that one there was appraised at 120 as soon as I was done. What did you say you bought that one for? 35. Okay. I'm going to do this one as a case study because we're, we're going through a lot. Okay. So 35,000, you, you renovated it for how much? 8,000. 8,000. 
Yeah. Why didn't somebody else do this? So, um, so this was a private deal and okay. I pay people 500 bucks if I buy a property that's not on the market. Uh, they found it for me, you know, that, that kind of thing. Yeah. So, so I got people on the ground looking for me. And so this one here, um, the fella, he was out camping with um, my property manager was camping at the same site and he had purchased it to fix it up. And he got partway through the project and uh, he lost his job. And he's like, I just want the money that I owe on it. So she asked him how much do you owe? He said 35,000. She said, okay, I've got a buyer for you. <laughs> and so, um, yeah. So I went and checked it out and I wrote the check for 35 grand and away we go. Okay. So did you like feel like it was worth more than that? Or was that like a fair price for you to get it for in the state that it was in? Uh, no, it was a great deal. <laughs> yeah, it was a great deal. Yeah, so he just wanted to get done with it, just be done yeah, with it, be gone. Yeah. Okay, that's yeah, that's, a that's a great true. situation. That's a great situation. Uh, okay, so I've crunched the numbers here. So you're in for forty three thousand, unless well, you had some carrying costs too, maybe maybe uh, forty five thousand, call it. Or no. Yeah, yeah, and then the closing costs, you know, the lawyer fees, yeah. legal fees, okay. right? We'll call um, it forty five thousand. So, um, so eighty percent. Did you get eighty percent on that or seventy five? Eighty percent. Oh, okay, so ninety six thousand is your new mortgage, which means you got to pull out fifty one thousand. So you pulled out your whole down payment, all your renovation costs, and fifty one thousand dollars in your hands. That's a great deal. Getting paid fifty one thousand dollars to own a property, and I didn't touch it. Didn't touch it. Oh yeah, you, did, you hired the work out. Yeah. yeah, I hired a contractor to go do it, and so I basically went over because yeah. So I was explaining earlier that I was working eighty to a hundred hours a week right back then, mm -hmm. and so. And basically I crunched the numbers and you know, I, well, I went to look at that property and wrote the check and walked away and that's all I did. And so, um, I was going to flip it, but then somebody, one of the contractors employees offered to pay me $1,200 plus utilities, um, a month. And so he says, Oh, can I rent it off you? And I'm like, well, okay, yeah. I was flip it, but sure. If you're going to give me 1200 bucks a month, I'm going to do that. <laughs> so it's what, are your property my taxes? what are your property taxes there? Um, the property taxes are probably, so let me pull that up here just quickly. I want to say like 1200 on that property or something like that. Okay. And then insurance yeah. would be around 1200 probably as well. Yeah. Or, same deal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So if we said 5%, maybe we'll say 10% for maintenance just because it's so, so low overall. You pay a manager? Uh, I have my own, my own crew that takes care of my stuff. So yeah, I'm just looking here, the uh, property taxes. No, I'm sorry. Apologies. Uh, it's $1,900 for the taxes. All right. $1,900. Okay. So throw, yeah. just throwing some numbers together. Okay. So, so management, yeah. um, what would your cost be around 5% then if you have your own people? Yeah. About 5%. Yeah. Yeah. Four or five. Okay. Are you paying any utilities? Um, so he was paying the utilities at the time. Okay. So none for you. So your, uh, your cap rate on that uh, based on value, based on it being worth 120,000 is about 7.2%, which obviously that's not the way residential appraisers are valuing it. Um, no, that's right. So, so you would have got a 30 year mortgage then? Um, that one is 25. That one was 25. Approximately what interest rate? Uh, 2.6. Six nine, I believe it is. Okay, so so two hundred and eighty dollars a month cash flow, based on those numbers. Yeah, and these are my lowest ones. So my two single family dwellings, 
they're my, you know, so they cash flow somewhere around, you know, two, three, 400 bucks. Um, the rest of my portfolio cash flows anywhere between 500 and 2,500 per month. That's great. Well, Hey, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with this deal. I mean, $51,000 in your pocket plus, plus you get an extra $280 a month. I guess the, the challenge is if it's a lot of management effort brain wise, um, it's not a huge return um, overall, not, not to say it's not great, but yeah, so you'd get mortgage pay down of about 2,900 a year. Um, cash flow would be about, uh, uh, 3,300 and then you'd have uh, annual appreciation. What would you figure, uh, like 2% a year, kind of just inflation or, uh, Timmins doesn't, um, doesn't yeah. grow up a whole lot. Yeah. <laughs> we'll call it zero. Uh, yeah, so, I so, don't, yeah. I don't count on appreciation at all in Timmins. I just yeah. count which I think any, any investor should almost just not count on appreciation because what happens when you don't get it? If you're relying That's on it, right. you're in trouble. That's right. Yeah. It's the cherry exactly. on the cake, uh, but it's not, it shouldn't be what your it shouldn't be your cake. Um, That's right. <laughs> so 6,300 a year between mortgage pay down and cash flow, which again, for something that paid you $51,000 to keep, <laughs> that's not a bad deal. <laughs> not bad at all. That's yeah, okay. For sure. So we can't calculate a return on investment here because you have no investment. You're, you've got all your money out, just your time. Yeah, yeah uh, it's so, infinite. Yeah, that's, that's a fantastic deal. So that, that was a few years back, was it? Yeah, so that one was part of my 18 deals within 12 months that I did. Okay. Um, yeah, so that was one of them. Okay. And, Yes. And how long ago was that? Was that special 18 months? That, that 18 was 2012. Yeah. 2012, 13. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. Your yeah. interest rate was probably a little bit higher back then. Um, uh, no, it wasn't now? actually. You got no, that it, was, it was always under, it was actually always under 2%. So or under three anyway. 1.89, 1.99 was the, normally the terms that I would go with for, uh, in at that particular point in time, I was dealing with mainly with Scotiabank. Wow. And yeah, they were closing the, you know, just the lawyers and everybody just couldn't figure out because they're going, Oh my gosh, like they're they're letting me close deal after deal after deal and not putting on the brakes and people are going, I can't believe you're doing this. (laughs) So, well, yeah, that's, that's the next big question here is, you know, most people are getting maxed out uh, with most lenders at five properties. I believe Scotia will let you get to 10. Um, I don't know if that's in total or with them, but uh, so, so assume it's 10 with them. But I mean, how, how are you growing to the point of, of 22 properties? Do you have joint venture partners or are you doing it all on your own? So I've got the most, so most of them are on my own until I got to a point in 2013 where I had four deals on the table and um, I didn't have money for the four deals. And so I had a couple of people that kept bugging me, you know, saying I want in, I want in. And I kept telling them, why would I give you 50% of this when I can keep a hundred percent, right? I don't need you. So, um, so these were initially what I was saying. And then finally, when I had these four deals on the table that I couldn't close on all of them, I didn't have enough cash to do that. And, and so I said, okay, so you want in? So now is the time. Um, I don't have the cash for all of them. So if you want to you know, do a couple with me, then let's do it. So that's what we did. That was my first partner. And, um, and then he ran out of cash. And so, so I did two deals with him. He ran out of cash. And I went to the other person that kept bugging me to get in. And uh, I said, okay, here's the time. And if you want in, so, so I did two deals with him. So I did a total of four deals with two different joint ventures in 2013. Um, now I've got, and I've got two other partners now in 
I set up corporations. And so I've got two other corporations with two different partners. Uh, and we purchased uh, one of them. We did two properties and they put the brakes on and the other one we're doing flips. So, okay, nice. Yeah. Yeah, that's the way I set up. So I had um, a, a guy, a friend of mine that we did a, a several flips together and we both had our, our holding corporations and then we created a, a corporation together to uh, to do the flips. So that's a, that's yeah, a great yeah. way of splitting things off. You, you being the chartered accountant would, uh, would know. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> do you find yourself because, you know, obviously you're going to be a bit of a perfectionist knowing that you, you know how to do it best. Um, do you find yourself doing a lot of your own books or, or getting into that side of things, doing your own um, financial statements or do you just leave that to somebody else? So <laughs> that's a good question. Um, so I keep wanting to give it away, <laughs> give it to somebody else to do, but, uh, I'm a procrastinator. I'm not gonna, <laughs> you know, um, I'm going to say it as, as it is. And so I procrastinate a lot and I feel like because I'm a chartered accountant for me to bring a shoebox to an accountant or a bookkeeper would look really bad on me. So, um, so yeah, so I still end up doing it myself and I, I get to the last minute and I'm like, Oh, okay. Now I can't bring it to anybody to do. And I ended up doing it myself and it just, you know, at the end of the day, it only takes me, uh, it doesn't take me very long to get it done. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I just threw, I, I threw all the receipts in the box and, uh, you know, one of those paper boxes there. And then, so, and then once a year, I just, get it all done. So sometimes I try to do it twice a year, but I just end up so busy and, you know. Okay. So you don't do any intermittent bookkeeping or anything. You just have that end of your bookkeeping on all 22 yeah, properties. Pretty, yeah, pretty and much. they're mostly held pro uh, personally, or do you have a, a, a chunk in a company and then a chunk on your other companies with your other JV partners? Um, so I've got, so I've got my corporation where I have with my husband and mm -hmm. Uh, which actually he wants nothing to do with real estate. So he's got, so it's all me. Um, so I've got that corporation and then, um, and then I've got the other four corporations with the, with the partners. Um, and I, I shouldn't say, okay, I'm going to apologize. I did lie. I, the ones where I have partners, I do it quarterly. <laughs> so I have to book him quarterly because yeah. I give them some reports. Um, but mine where I've got 15 properties, um, these I end up doing at the end of the year or so. That um, must not be fun. <laughs> no, it's, I know I keep looking at the box. And I'm like, I so don't want to do this. <laughs> I get it on, uh, on QuickBooks online. Are, is that what you're using or you're not even using any QuickBooks? Just, just Excel. Just Excel. That's surprising. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just easy. I don't know. You well, just, there's no built-in reconciliation though, right? I feel like I might miss something. <laughs> I don't want to have to yeah. do the reconciliation myself. <laughs> yeah, no, you're, you're right. You're right. But, um, it's, yeah, I don't know because it's I, your, it's your system. It works for yeah, you. Yeah. It's just because I procrastinate. It's just like, I, I don't want to start yeah. going to QuickBooks and doing all of that at the end of the year because I'm trying to hurry up and get her done. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh no. I, yeah. If you're going to do that, like you keep up on it every day or every, you know, every week I would say like, I'm in my QuickBooks at least every week. It just, as I'm like paying invoices, cause I have my companies as well that are active and I'm just yeah. you know, paying an invoice. I just enter it right in uh, as I go. So that's not what you're doing though. You're, you're just living off your properties pretty much. Is that, is that fair to say? Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, we have coaching too, right? That, that business. Yeah. So is, got, yeah I was yeah. going to say, I also do the coaching. So, so I've got, you know, so that's another corporation on its own. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, so I do that as well. So I'm, 
you know, I could just live off of the real estate, but I'd be bored to death. So, um, yeah. <laughs> well, I was going to ask you what you do for fun, you know, or what do you, what do you do on an average day? Right. Like, it, cause you know, you're living off the properties, but everybody I know who's living off their properties wants to do something still. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We're very outdoorsy. So, you know, we'll, um, whether it be like right now I'm working on a big project. We've got, we've been working on this project landscaping. We've been working on it for the last four, maybe five years. And I live on the lake. And so we're doing the whole lakeside and um, I've got probably in the same, maybe 2,000, 2,500 square feet of lock stone that we're doing, but you had to dig it all up. And so I got my tractor. <laughs> so uh, I've got my tractor. I dug it all up. That took a year because it was all clay and um, I had to move it all. And then, uh, then we had, we had to fill it. Um, so the whole three feet. So, you know, so basically on my tractor pretty much every day going down, working on that project, um, you know, for so many hours a day and yeah. But you're so, not working on your properties. You don't do that. No, no, no. I don't <laughs> work on my properties. Um, okay. So th- that's the one good thing about it being in Timmins, you know, it's not in Sudbury because if it was in Sudbury, I'm going to guess that I'd probably end up working on my properties. And um, I really you know, I, sometimes I do though. Sometimes I want to, except for, um, yeah, for the most part, I don't, I don't want to deal with the tenants. And so that's one of the things where, so glad that my employees have to do that. Um, and, uh, I did do the one project where, uh, my contractor, he called me up, the deal was just about to close and and told me it was, it was my biggest project actually at the time. Um, it was a triplex and the whole thing like needed to be gutted and redone. And it was just, uh, it was huge. And the contractor calls me up a few days before closing and he says, Lynn, I'm really sorry. I'm not going to be able to do this job. And I'm thinking, okay, this isn't cool, <laughs> you know, but um, he got this contract out West where he's going to, he was going to be making over a million dollars in, uh, you know, the next six months. And I'm like, well, you're never going to make a million dollars off of me. So I get it. You know, you've got to do what you got to do. But then I was stuck with it and I'm going, what the heck am I going to do? Um, so I ended up going to Timmins um, and went up there, checked it out, you know, and then my husband came up with me. That's the only one, I shouldn't say the only one. He's helped me on a couple of occasions, but that was one of the times where he came up and gave me a hand. He knew I was in a little bit of a pickle so, <laughs> with my contractor taking off. And so anyway, he came up and um, he took two weeks off. I took two weeks off work and we started going through the project. And then I ended up hiring my first maintenance person. And that's another story on its own. Um, <laughs> this guy here, he ended up, um, my property manager was new at the time and my employee was, was my first employee that I had hired on. And so she was telling me she was having a hard time renting out the main floor of the property because of all the foot traffic going upstairs. So she says, you know, the guy's dealing drugs. Um, I don't know how to, you know, what do I do? And so I can't rent this place out. So I told her, I said, well, let me show you how this is done. So I wasn't, you know, having been a, you know, not so great teenager. <laughs> so I wasn't too afraid of these things. I ended up working when I was 18, I was working in the bar. Um, I had, I had a child when I was 18 years old. So um, anyways, I had to figure out how to put food on the table. Um, so I went to work in this really scuzzy bar. So I had to deal with all these crazy people. <laughs> so anyways, um, yeah, so I ended up, so I got a little bit of street smarts, let's just say. 
And uh, so I went and knocked on the door and this young fella, probably maybe, I don't know, I was going to say he's like 22 years old or something like that and answers the door. And he says to me, uh, well, I asked him, I said, how are things going? And he says, good, good. I said, well, okay. Um, we're having a really hard time renting the main floor, apparently because of all the foot traffic coming up here, you know, I said, uh, I've got a little bit of an issue with that. He said, I don't care what you do for a living. I said, but you know, just keep it out of the apartment, please, so that we can get this place rented. And he's like, no, no, I don't do that. I said, no, no, okay, don't get me wrong. I don't care what you do, do what you will, but just keep it off premises. So anyways, he says, well, I have to pay my rent. And I said, okay, I get it. Yes, you have to pay your rent. And so I said, uh, why? He says, I can't find a job. So, you know, I've got to do what I got to do to make a living. And I'm like, okay, I get it. Absolutely. But do you actually want to work? And he says, yeah, I want to work. I said, well, okay, are you handy at anything? And he said, anyways, like I said, I've got this big project going on, right? So anyways, he says, yeah, yeah, I can swing a hammer. And I was like, okay, I'll, do you have steel toe shoes? And he says, yeah. I said, okay, I'll pick you up at 8.30 tomorrow morning. <laughs> so, so anyways, he ended up being my first maintenance employee. And, um, and he's still clean today. He's never actually gone back to the drugs or anything else. He was selling, I think he was selling marijuana at the time. Like it wasn't, you know, anything. Yeah. yeah. Anything now we can buy it online. So we don't exactly. Uh, yeah, that. <laughs> that's right. So anyways, yeah. So he ended up being my first maintenance employee. And then, but we kept, um, so I stayed there for a little bit longer. My husband had to go back to work. And so I was managing the project in Timmins and actually working on it. Um, and for like, four weeks, I think it was something like that. And then I was started to, I had to go back to work. So I ended up going to check up on the projects every, every weekend and stuff at the time. But, uh, and then finally my contractor calls me up and he says, okay, this, this, this whole deal out there went south. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> sorry to say, but yes. <laughs> so he came back and he finished the project for us, but um, it all worked out in the end. It's um, a lot more headaches than I would have wanted. Cause basically, Normally, I just, you know, I go to Timmins to check out the property on inspection. I don't even go to check the properties before. Um, I, I put in blind offers, but I put conditions on there. Okay. So, yeah. So I put my conditions on and then I just go in to check out the place once, um, once, once I, uh, well, actually I go through a couple of things. Um, the first thing I do, so we put in the blind offer, like my real estate agent, nobody goes in. We just put in the blind offer and then, um, then once it's accepted, my real estate agent will go in with my property manager and usually my contractor. And then from there, what they do is they say, they either tell me it's a year or an A, and then I go for the next inspection. And there's only one property where I didn't go. And it's probably the only property I would not have purchased had I actually gone to see it. So I figured I won't be doing that anymore. Yeah, it's not uh, not ideal. I have bought a couple without looking at them if I had a you know good relationship with the agent. But yeah, you really got to be on the same same wavelength to do that. Um, yes. Really, yeah, really do. Otherwise, you can get yourself into a little bit of trouble. Um, yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> I also, did, I didn't really like feeling detached from my properties. I like knowing exactly what I bought. I didn't like not knowing what was there. So that was, yeah, yeah, me, me too. Yeah. I just, I, I just, I was flying around the country, like across the country with yeah. work. I just didn't have time that for that one purchase. And yeah, I, it, let's just say it still makes me money, but it's, uh, yeah, it's not ideal. I ended up, um, 
you you must have heard of knob and tube before. Oh yeah. Okay, well the cellar hit it very well, and when we ended up taking some paneling off, we noticed it was like to the to everywhere where you can actually see it was upgraded, but behind the walls it was all mm-hmm. knob and tube. We had to take everything down. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's. I feel like that's pretty common. Um, I've seen it in attics. I've seen them like strung across the rafters. Uh, you know, those you can actually spot. But mm-hmm. if you if you can see it in some spots and not in others, you just almost have to assume that it's it's behind the walls. But the thing yeah. that the uh, the insurance company seems to ask is any that you're aware of. And <laughs> if you're not aware of any other, and I'm by no means making any recommendation, uh, <laughs> but I've had this conversation with my broker, and he's just like, "Well, what do you know?" And I'm like, "Well." from what I can see, it's been, you know, upgraded or it's been, um, at least they put the GFCIs on them, on the circuits to, uh, to, to stop them from uh, starting a fire if there's ever a short. So yeah. there seems to be ways around it. Um, <laughs> if, if you've got it, but I don't like having it to me. Um, I've had problems in houses that have had it and, uh, it's not something you want to hang on to. No, so for sure. And not for long-term keeping, right? <laughs> yeah. It's dangerous. And yeah. you know, the last thing I want is to have known that there was knob and tube in there and not replaced it. And there's a fire and somebody gets hurt. Right. Or worse dies. Um, Oh yeah. 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 No, no. I wouldn't want that on my, yeah. I wouldn't be able to sleep at night. (laughs) Let's just say. Right. Well, I was going to ask you how you sleep at night because you're you're three hours and 18 minutes away from your properties, which isn't like, terrible that's uh, roughly equivalent to me versus like me going to windsor if i was going to invest in windsor i'm about the same distance away i don't invest there i'm in london with my investment so i'm about an hour and 25 minutes from from my stuff Um, but you've got to have a certain level of confidence that you're not going to need to start driving up there three times a week four times a week to get things back on track (laughs) i mean you're at the point now where that shouldn't be an issue because you're well enough established and yeah. I feel that same way about London. Like now I shouldn't have that problem. But if I were to go to a new market, um, not the city of new market, but any new market, um, I would feel like I need to be able to react that way. I need to be ready and able to, to drop everything if something were to go off, off the rails and, mm-hmm. uh, and do exactly what you did. Go up there for a few weeks and just clean it up. Yeah, uh, yeah. Did that just happen the one time for you? It never happened again? Yeah, no, just it only happened the one time. And uh, so I even went like I went an entire year because I was working so hard with that turnaround. I went an entire year where I never went. I didn't even go to Timmins, uh, not even to check out on any of the properties or anything. Thing was just rolling smoothly. I had my contractors lined up. Uh, you know, my property manager was managing the, um, the my employee. Actually, yeah, so my employee that was managing my stuff, um, she was also managing the contractors and all was great. And so I, um, yeah, I don't recommend anybody not go check up on their properties for 12 months. But yeah, um, but yeah it was just, like I said, I was working 100 hours a week. So you're like, you know, time's loaded. So yeah, had I, so when I was earlier in my, my investing years, I was investing in Youngstown, Ohio, which was like a six hour drive for me. And I did go more than a year without looking and checking and things weren't going well. And um, had I gone down, I probably could have stopped my one place from being destroyed. So there are, uh, yeah. there are negatives to it. And, you know, I'm glad it worked out for you. Um, I try and do like once every three, four months at the very least. Yep. And then, you know, maybe extra on top of that, if I'm down anyway, I might just pop into one or two of them and then, you know, hit the rest the next time. Yeah. Yeah, so. for sure. I just, yeah, I, so I'll go up, you know, I probably go up once a quarter and, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just to check up on the properties, go, ch- you know, chat with my staff, uh, take them out for lunch or, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I don't go check up on every one of my properties. Like I just, I'll do a drive by and stuff just to see what's going on. Um, 
but I don't go and do like the inspections and that kind of stuff. I leave that to my staff. Tell me a horror story, something that's happened and how you dealt with it. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. I've got a few of these. Yeah. And pick up the book. It's uh, <laughs> yeah, there's a few in there. Quite interesting. Um, okay. So I'm going to tell you the one that, uh, okay. So I've got this property. Um, I purchased the property for $15,500. And so it's, so it's got the front house has is a duplex. The back house is a single family dwelling. Um, and so 15.5 and uh, so I had to replace right off the get go. I had to replace um, the panels because there are 60 amp panels. And so I had to upgrade those, um, the two for the front house. The back house was actually like, it was like a shed sitting on railroad tiles, but they converted it into a house somehow, and somebody was living there, and it was all crooked. And anyways, it, it, it had to be torn down. So, um, so December first, we purchased it. Uh, closing was so this was 2018. So anyways, we uh, so it closed November 28th, I think 2018. And so on December, so we went and told the people that were living there. We said, okay, guys, you know, you got to pay rent to me on the first, not to the old landlord and so on. And uh, anyway, so they said no problem. So I ended up, um, so on the first, they went to collect and nobody paid, of course. And so, which I expected, right? I mean, yeah. So people, there was a reason why people were having, why they were having such a hard time selling it. And I ended up getting it for 15,500. Yeah. It sounds like a joke. 15,000. <laughs> yeah, I know. You can't, you know, you, you buy a used car for that. You know? So anyways, yeah. So yeah, no rent. So we gave them their notices and stuff. And anyway, so we finally ended up, um, so it goes to court and the, so the fellow in the back house, um, he had some challenges. He has, I, I thought he was schizophrenic, but it wasn't the case. It was something else. Anyway, I think he got, he got hit by a car when he was younger. And so anyways, he, um, so I go, you know, we go in there with the sheriff. So the sheriff goes in and I told the sheriff, I said, like, okay, this guy, I decided I was going to go there to meet with the sheriff because myself, because I was worried about this fella that he wouldn't understand that he's being put outside. Right. And so, uh, anyways, we, the first tenants, I didn't care. They yelled, you know, whatever, whatever they were yelling at the sheriff and doing whatever they were doing. And then, uh, but then this, this one in the back, when we went over there, I told, I told the sheriff, I said, he's not going to understand. So anyways, we ended up chatting with him and he's like, just kept going on and on about, um, just about different things that had nothing to do with him moving out. Right. And so, so then the sheriff looks at me, he goes, Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, I see what you're saying. So he calls the police. So the police come over and they're trying to explain to him that he's got to move out. And, you know, can I take you to the hospital? Can I take you somewhere? They're saying, nope, nope, nope. I don't want to go anywhere. And they, they said, well, he knows his name. He knows he lives here and he knows his date of birth. And therefore he's coherent and we can't just take him away. And I'm thinking, this poor guy, I'm like, really? So, so then they called, um, they called the ambulance to see what they can do and they couldn't do anything about it. And so, and this guy's like, he's on his bike and he's got this helmet on like more of a hockey helmet or something. And he's just, he's just standing 
sitting there and it's like, okay, well, Joel, do you, do you have like a mom, a mother or a father? Do you have like a sister or, you know, a brother? He kept saying, nope, nope, nope. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, like, like, we can't just leave him outside like this. He's going to like, you know, the poor guy. So anyways, um, so finally the police officer is on the phone trying to get this guy some help. Nobody can do anything. We're, we're talking about, okay, it was the, the first tenant was at one thirty, So this is like at, I don't know, maybe two o'clock. Now it's like 4.15, still nothing. And finally I said, okay, you know what? Let's, I haven't vacant apartment. Let's put him in there. I can't leave this guy on the streets. I said, but we'll call ODSP and see if we can get them to pay direct. And I said, if they agree to do that, then I'll agree to put him into one of my units and we'll leave it at that. So anyways, um, so yeah, so the guy finally, um, it took like forever for us to convince them to go even to go see the place. So I put him in my car and I brought him over and showed him the place. And I'm like, look, Joel, I said, there's, there's no leaks. It doesn't leak in here. He said, look, there's lights and there's like, you know, things work. And so anyways, um, there's water. And anyways, so finally he, we managed to convince them. So we get back to, we get back to his place. I said, I'm, we're going to help you. I got my crew to go to help him bring a few things over and so that he'd have a mattress. And I said, well, we'll bring your mattress and some blankets. Says, I don't have a mattress. I said, well, where do you sleep? He says, I don't sleep. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness. Okay. So anyways, so we go back and I went into the place to help him take a few items out. And he says, I have to pay my rent. I'm like, okay. Yeah. But he's looking through his papers and then shuffling through papers that he took from on top of his fridge. And he goes, I really need to pay my rent. And I'm like, yes, Joel, you have to pay your rent. But, you know, right now, let's just get some of your stuff. And he says, oh, no, I have to pay my rent. And I said, well, do you have money, Joel? And he says, yeah, I have money. And I thought, well, maybe he's got 50 bucks or, you know, who knows, right? So anyways, he goes into this room. And I'm just kind of standing at the, you know, on, on the outside of the room. And he goes and gets leans over and he's doing something, shuffling something. And I'm like, what the heck's he doing? So anyways, comes back with a, a whole bunch of hundred dollar bills and he's counting. He's like, how much do I owe? And he said, like, so I counted it and I figured it out and he's counting $3,200 or whatever the heck he owed me <laughs> in hundred dollar bills. And then he goes to somewhere else, pulls out a 50. So he gives me all this money. I'm going, okay, you're being evicted you had all this money, but he was waiting for the old landlord to come and pick up the rent. But the bank took over because the guy had lost the place. And oh, yeah. So he, he was holding on to all this money to pay the landlord that never came because he didn't know us. We'd go knock. He's like, I don't know. You didn't open the door, right? So anyways, and then he says, oh, I have to pay first and last for the other place. How much is that? So I told him how much, and he goes back to his little safe, and he pulls out a hundred a whole bunch more hundred dollar bills and starts counting it. So anyways, yeah, pretty crazy. Sounds like a great tenant now. <laughs> yeah. 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 He's still living there like wow. at my other place. Right. And so, yeah, so that was, that was pretty cool. That's, I see some interesting things out there. That would be a hard situation to handle. So, I mean, wow, that's uh, a, yeah. that's a good story. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I always tell everybody just, you know, always do the right thing. The, um, the sheriff shaking his head. He's like, I've never seen anybody do this before. Yeah. Are you sure you want to do this? Yes, and pay you your rent. <laughs> so anyway. and that was bold. That was bold to offer him another place when you're having that kind of issue. Holy. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'm glad it's working out for you. Now you see you seem very like you're comfortable kind of taking like a little bit of a risk. You kind of trust your you must trust your gut on these things. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. I trust my gut. Um, and now, had I not been able to get a hold of ODSP, um, I, I probably would have still done it. I don't know. I just, yeah, <laughs> I, I just couldn't leave him out there. Nobody could do anything for him. It just wasn't right, you know. Oh, that's that's really nice of you. That's yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad that worked out. <laughs> yeah, for sure. The um, yeah. you know, I've I've got another story. I've got tons of other stories where it didn't work out so well. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, there's, you know, people trashing places. Like, oh, yeah. Like, you bring in the sheriff and they're, like, throwing things and stuff. I've heard those stories. Fortunately, never dealt with them. Um, yeah, yeah. The, I had uh, some people have a, have a paintball fight in one of my houses, but that was probably about the worst that happened. You know, I have a couple of holes in a wall, but that's, like, a student thing to do. Um, yeah, yeah. Not in my current ones, but that was, that was a while back. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a question for you about, uh, about your portfolio now. With 22 units, um, I'm guessing a large portion so, or those are personal yeah um, so it's it's actually 60 sorry, 20 22, so 22 properties yeah so it's yeah. 68 doors 68 doors okay so yeah. with that i mean from a residential standpoint you're pretty much uh tapped out at, at today's standards unless you're going with either credit unions or doing commercial financing with the banks like what's your strategy now are you still trying to buy more or are you just kind of coasting it out with what you have um um, yeah, so now I'm looking at the larger properties, right? So commercial so, financing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so I'm trying to find some decent, you know, 20 units, 30 units, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but at this point, so I ended up, and one of the things, one of the mistakes that I made was uh, one day, so my granddaughter is born and I was there for the birth and everything. Thing and I thought, okay, life's too short, and why am I working 100 hours a week? You know, and so I thought, okay, I'm done with this, and I was hating my job at the time because I had moved on when I did the turnaround. Um, when that was complete, I was bored, so I went and found another job, something, some another place that needed a lot of help, and um, it wasn't a good fit. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so hating this job. Well, I was hating the person I was reporting to, right? So, not, you know, not hating, but didn't enjoy reporting to this person. So, um, so the day she was born, I went, you know what, life's too short. And so I, the next day I quit my job and didn't really plan for it at the time. Right. Um, so, so borrowing afterwards, once I quit my job, then it became very difficult to borrow. Um, and so, uh, so one of the things that I do is I get, um, so I've got joint venture partners and so, you know, they, they bring in the cash and stuff. Um, and, uh, then I've got, um, right now I'm working with RBC, um, to see if on the commercial side, to see if I can pull out some of the equity that I have in my properties because I didn't plan that out prior to, and I should have. So that's one of the big things. Like if you're going to quit your job at any point in time, um, make sure that you, if you're going to be wanting to do some refinancing, do it before you quit your job and, uh, it'll be a lot simpler and, you know, be able to qualify. Yeah, that, that's good. So I was, that was what I was wondering about is how you're doing it. Cause, cause typically banks don't like it when you're dependent on the income of the properties. They want to know you're getting money from somewhere else so that you don't need to take all the money out of that property and yeah. you know, that you'll be able to fund maintenance if it needs it. And, and that's what commercial lenders want. So even if, even if you, uh, you know, have strong cash flow from the properties, they're probably still going to want to see that you, you don't need it. Um, so maybe if you could, if you had a certain number of properties that you did touch and a certain number that you didn't, didn't touch, maybe they would, they would work on that premise. Um, but I think mm-hmm. local credit unions would probably help you as well. If you, uh, approach them, if it didn't work with RBC, 
Um, yeah, so I've got, yeah, so I have three that are with the local credit union. Yeah. They're, they tend to be a little bit more flexible on their commercial side, depending on the one. I know a guy that was doing it in London, uh, many student rentals, um, quit his job, and he was just doing uh, student rentals near Fanshawe College. And they just kept giving him money until he finally hit so many properties. They're like, okay, you're done now. But no job. He was just making money from his properties. I was so impressed. So, you know, every time I think that there's, you know, no way of getting something done. I find out there is an investor that did something and got it done. Mm-hmm. So that's the, that's the cool thing, right? You, yeah. Sometimes totally. you just need to get creative. Yeah, exactly. Well, for me, when I, um, uh, I've got some of the places that are out there that have two houses on one property. So this is where I hit the wall with Scotia was that they said, we won't do these places that have two houses on one property. So then I had to go somewhere else. And so I don't know if you heard of radius financial, yeah, I know the name. So I had, I ended up going with them and well, so I, my real estate agent suggested a broker. And so I went with that broker and then finally, um, so he was able to do these with radius, uh, which was really cool, except for, um, <laughs> except for five years later, they send a letter, not to my home, but they sent a letter to the, um, to the rental property. My tenant that was there happened to open it by mistake, just, you know, just not realizing it was for me. And so she opened it up and it was uh, a letter stating that they were calling the loan. Um, it was at the end of the term and they were no longer financing multi-units within corporations. And so, yeah, so that was crazy. And, and I had done three of them within, within a month, like five years prior so I'm like, if they're calling this one, they're calling both of the other ones too. And I'm like, holy crap, how am I going to, like, I couldn't borrow money. I couldn't get a mortgage um, because I'm self-employed and I was, you know, I didn't have a pay stub anymore. And, and I've got three mortgages being called within, like, I got to find, and they gave me, I think it was like, I want to say 45 days to pay it back, the entire amount, or else they were foreclosing. I'm like, holy cheapers. That, that's something I never understood about. So the Canadian system versus the U S and the U S they can actually get 30 year mortgages, like 30, 25 year mortgages here in Canada. We get like, most people just get a five year, even though it's on an amortization for 25, 30 years. And mm-hmm. I've worried about that exact scenario. Like what if, what if one day they just decide not to finance that anymore. Then yeah. you have to pay out, right? Like we take yeah. it for granted that the bank offers us a renewal. They don't have to, they're not forced to, we yeah, just, uh, just, we just luck out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I contacted, you know, the, my mentors and like one of my mentors and I'm like, can they really do this? And he's, he says, Oh my gosh, I've never heard of a company do this before. I had never been late. Not once, like nothing. Right. And there was nothing against me. And anyways, he says, he says, it makes no sense. Why would they do that? You pay your, you know, you've paid it all along. And, uh, anyway, I called them up and I said, you know, is this for real? Like you guys are really doing this and is there anything I can do? And they said, Nope. So anyway, so I had to find some private money, but Oh my gosh, I was, you know, I was a little worried there about where the money was all going to come from. Yeah. You don't, you don't seem to let it get to you. That's great, Lynn, um, uh, that you're able yeah, to find a solution yeah. there. Private money's a, a good one. Yeah. But multiple buildings on one lot, usually like you might still be able to get it financed, but they're not going to value that second building. They're not going to apply any value to it. So you'll be at significantly lower uh, loan amount. Um, That's right. Yeah. Cause they'll only do one house plus five or possibly 10 acres, depending on the lender. Yeah, yeah, so. exactly. So, the, yeah, so CIBC will do it. Um, the uh, the credit unions will do it. Like multiple houses on one lot, even. Yeah, okay. Yeah, but but they don't consider the, the property in the back. Like the they just value yeah. the 
property and that's it. So and rightly so, because if they force the sale, like most people are, are not going to be able to live in two houses. They're just, they're only really going to value one anyway, right? Unless you can sever that, then it doesn't really have the, t- the true functionality. Yeah. And you can't sever it because it's in the backyard, right? So yeah, a little, a little bit tougher. Um, yeah. Anyways, well, it's been, it's been interesting chatting with you, Lynn. Um, if somebody wanted to reach out to you and uh, connect or follow your journey, what's, uh, what's the best way for them to do so? Well, they can find me on Facebook or uh, they can email me at Lynn, so that's L-Y-N, dot Lebeau, L-E, B as in Bob, E-A-U, at live.com. That's probably the two best ways to be able to reach me. Perfect. So I'll put that in the show notes. And uh, is there anything else you'd like to uh, share with our listeners and viewers, uh, all your, your wisdom and, and your time in real estate that, uh, that you think might, so we have a, a diverse base. We've got really experienced investors. We've got some starting out. Um, so I'll, I'll let you pick yeah. what kind of advice you want to give. Um, well, for those that are just starting out, it's really, um, you know, just, just get in there and do it right. Get, you've got, you've got to get into the game. Like you don't, don't try to time the market. Don't try to do anything like that. You just, you just have to get in and do your first deal. And you're probably going to be scared. Um, I was, I was terrified when I did my first one. Um, and so, um, so yeah, but if, if you don't get in the game, like, it's like, I, you know, I, I, my book, I talk about, you know, it's like playing monopoly, right? If you don't buy houses, you don't win the game. So, you know, this is the game of life and it's the same thing, right? So if you don't, 90% of millionaires became so by buying real estate. And so, you know, if, so if you're looking to get there, um, you know, if you're looking to make your first million dollars, well, I mean, even myself working at my job, um, there's no way I could have tucked away a few million dollars within the short amount of time that I did, um, you know, within... Uh, without buying real estate, like there's, you know, even if I was making six figures, you know, which I was, um, and to tuck away, like how long would it take you to tuck away a million bucks, right? It takes so long. Yeah. Like that's, that's the thing. Um, not that I need to convince the listeners here that they should invest in real estate. I, I think they're on that page, but I just couldn't understand why people wouldn't do it because uh, that exact premise. So if you make a hundred grand, you know, 40 K goes to the tax man then you have your living expenses and everything else you're doing. So what are you saving? You know, uh, you know, people who are doing really, really well might save a thousand to 2000 a month somewhere in that uh, ballpark. So if, if they're in that ballpark, how many years to save a down payment on, you know, X property and your case in your market you could definitely do it but i mean around here it's all leverage it's just like constantly playing the leverage game pulling more money out against that property leveraging this property uh and then watching them go up in value like crazy but like you said it, mm-hmm. you know with without doing that without without getting into the game of real estate it would be hard to become a millionaire and in today's yeah. economy not so much the economy but the tax structure and the tax system and the way that it just every year you're just taking away a big piece of it right exactly that's that's exactly it so yeah so that would be um you know that's so the one thing for the people that are um just starting out is you know if you're listening to those podcasts and going yeah i really want to get in but you're scared i just just get her done um get a coach um you know that's something that i found was very valuable i i i've always paid for coaching for whatever i do um been doing that since well since 2012 um and so when I first got, you know, I did got the coaching done I, and that's the one thing, like had I not gotten the, the coaching, I probably, like, there's no way I would have done 18 deals in 12 months had I not had some coaching. Right. It's amazing. 
Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I figured, okay, I need to know what I don't know. And I, I don't have time, right? Time wasn't my, wasn't a friend because I had calculated that the company I was working for was, had 12 months left before they went bankrupt. And so, so, so I knew I, I only had likely 12 months before I was out of a job. Right. So, anyways, so it was do or die. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's basically what I did. Right. And I figured out, okay, well, if I'm going to replace my six figure income, then here's what I got to do. And I got myself a coach and ended up um, being able to do that. So that was really cool. That's awesome, Lynn. Well, it was really cool speaking with you. I mean, one of the things I'll take away uh, from this is is your demeanor. You seem to have a really good attitude about this stuff. Like you don't let stuff get to you. You just deal with it. You, you roll with the punches. And that's I think, right. Think it's critical in this game. You know, you you chalk it up to hey, this part of this business, and and you just keep keep uh, sticking with it, and and then uh, you make your way through. For so, sure. Awesome. Well, well, thank you again. And uh, yeah, I'm glad we finally connected. So I look forward to staying in touch. And anyone wants to grab your book, where can they get that on Amazon? Amazon? Yes. Perfect. Okay. Well, sounds good. I'll see if I can put the link to that in the show notes as well. Sounds good. Thank you so much. All right, Lynn, have a good one. Thanks for watching today's episode. Just a friendly reminder to please rate and review this podcast on iTunes. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure that you smash the like and subscribe and notification bell. Uh, and also leave a comment. And hey, while you're at it, why not share this episode with somebody you think it could help? It helps this podcast grow and I would really appreciate it. Thanks again. We'll see you on the next episode.